Crowhill here. Today we review a lager and discuss Voltaire. Hello and welcome to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. Good evening, Pigweed. Good evening, Crowhill. What's on your mind? Uh, well, first off, there's some extra clinking there's here. There's some extra clinking. Because yes. Longinus right. is in the That's house. That's right, Longinus. Welcome. And, uh, well, Thank you. I'll tell you why Longinus is in the house, because what's on my mind is Candide. It's time for PNC's Shortcut to the Classics. Ah, uh, yes. We'll reread great books by the world's great authors, so long as they are too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like to keep them under 100 pages. So, for this show, we're going to get into Candide by Voltaire. Okay, fantastic. But before we do that, I want to get something down my throat. Yes, and while Voltaire was French, Candide was German, okay. and so I went and got us a German beer. Okay, so you say? No, I didn't. No? Uh, but on the on the shelf with all the German beers was Carlsberg, which sure yeah. sounds, <laughs> sounds good enough. Sounds like, like it should that. be German. And it's brewed in Copenhagen. Oh, uh, my goodness. Uh, yes. And uh, so it's the Ian Rush special edition. Okay. As you all know, the Carlsberg has been a longtime sponsor of Liverpool Football Club Oh, in of course I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and you would also know that one of its great players was Ian Rush. Okay. And so this is a commemorative can. I know none of those. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know it was I didn't even know it was not a German beer. Yeah. So if, if uh, I saw that thing LFC with that weird with that griffin like character or whatever in the world that thing was. It yeah. would it would take me a year to guess that yes. it was Liverpool football club. Right. Although <laughs> although like any child in Africa would go, oh I know Oh yeah, that. I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Of course. What do you mean? Of course, it's Liverpool football. I mean, they've been wearing that jersey for thirty years. I know. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Okay. I see that all the time. So. My dad had that all the time. Okay. So Ian Rush, what style of beer is this? It's a lager, but what? It's a lager. Else? I, I I thought I read it was a Vienna lager, which for you at, at home would be kind of like a Yingling mm-hmm. or um, a Joseki's. Yeah, Joseki's makes one. Yeah. Um, are you getting any uh, bready notes? Is what I think of in a in a Vienna lager. I am getting some sort of traditional uh, European hops in here. Some uh, no doubt, some noble sauce. No, noble things. noble hops. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain slight dankness to it on the hop side. Uh, just oh. a little, just a little bit, just a touch. It's pretty cold. I'm going to let it uh, warm yeah. up a little bit and let the flavors. Let, yeah, come out. well, maybe we'll know a little bit better as we let it let it warm up here. So, so Voltaire, why why is this a shortcut to the classic? Well, uh, kind of isn't the shortcut to the classic. The idea is that we're going to read books, short books by men who are men and women who are famous for writing long books, just so we can get a taste of who they are. Uh, without having to read uh, six hundred pages, books, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not really what's going on here. Okay. It's just a short. It's just a great short book. It's just a short book by <laughs> a well-known author. By a well-known author and uh, a pillar of the Enlightenment, a guy who was you know famous in his time. The book was immediately popular. People, you know, it's not the, the guy who. Struggled to be discovered, and years after he passed away, yeah. you know, he was not that guy. So th- this was the guy, like Cher and Bono, and those kind of guys <laughs> who go the the one name guys. You know? Well, yeah, Voltaire I mean, kind of start. Seems like he started the. Uh, yeah, he used to. He, that, that was yeah. His, what was his uh, original name? Nom de plume. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. What is his? His real name was Eddie Louis Earl Sam. Or something like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So important figure in. Uh, the Enlightenment believed in social progress, believed in 
freedom of the individual, enlightenment principles of rejecting authority, right. not having authority, not having knowledge passed to you down right. from the elites. Right, questioning you know. authority, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tolerance and liberty and justice so, and free thought. And, so, 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 so it's often said. One quote that's often attributed to Voltaire is, I, I don't agree with you what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. That's Voltaire? That, uh, yes. Okay. But, but I've also heard other people say that uh, actually he was nothing like that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's really right or wrong. Yeah, but it's a great principle that sometimes even the, the person who picks up is, finds it difficult to... Yeah, finds it difficult to actually do it. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Could be. I was, I was just going to say he was a great contributor to the encyclopedias that were being created mm. in the first time of trying to bring together all the knowledge of, mm. of, of the Enlightenment. or uh, And, you know, that was something that was brand new at the time. Great historian. Uh, had philosophers wrote how many books? Well over a hundred, I'm sure. He got he had uh, like a interesting history. He got kicked out of France and had to spend a bunch of time in in. Uh, England for oh, a while. Yeah. England, right? because this is, you know, this, so, he, so he's uh, 1694 to 1778. So this is before the French Revolution. Yeah. So he's still, he's, he mm-hmm. is living in, you know, the, the age of kings and queens. Right, yeah. When, you know, when the idea of free thinking men and liberty yeah. and. Yeah, you can't do that. Not no, really. Not, the not king's, really. Without the king's permission. Right. Yeah. But did, didn't he get, he got kicked out? No, and I don't had, know. Had, had, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he okay. got. Got kicked out and had to spend some time in England, and he stayed in England for quite a long while. And yeah, he eventually came back. He got kicked out of France, went to England. He got kicked out of France again and spent some time in Germany. I think he was uh, – uh, he spent some time at the court of uh, Peter the Great. or hmm. the, okay. uh, and, 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 and and until that relationship soured, and then finally I think he ended up most of his time in – was it Switzerland? Oh, Okay. Uh, outside of Geneva, where he could uh, you know, express freely his uh, atheistic ideas more than in, in, in things, but he got kicked out of that. He got kicked out of a lot of places. That's it. That doesn't speak well of him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was because of you know his radical ideas. He right, always yeah. questioned everybody, and yeah. and that was sort of the. Uh, is his thing it, it, he he made good friends he loved the english freedom of speech he thought that was great and he made good friends uh so he lived in, long in enough there. to see uh, the american revolution but mm-hmm. just not the french revolution yeah 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 i don't i don't know what he said about the american revolution uh, i don't either but i'm sure he was on board Probably so maybe. so candide what what is what is candide all about <laughs> well it's <laughs> It is a very funny read. It is funny. And it, so let me so it is a frolicking journey, completely fraught with, let's just start at the beginning, with uh, war, torture, lots of rape, lots of, uh, lots of suffering, natural disasters. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you could write this book and it would just be too painful to read. Unless you wrote it like he did. It reminds me, your description there reminds me a touch of the introduction to Princess Bride, where <laughs> where he's, try, he's trying to get <laughs> yeah. the son to, you know, to, his grandson to want to go to the, well, come on, he's already sport, and he goes, come on, there's there's war, there's torture, there's, <laughs> 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 he's, he's going through all the, all the highlights. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so can't you could also express it as a really weird love story. Yeah. Because one thing that underlines underlies the whole story is Candide's pursuit of Conagong or however you pronounce Con- it. Conagonde is, is Conagonde. how I, 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 yeah. I listened to a, a little bit of it on tape. Oh, okay. So that's how they pronounce it. Yeah. All right. So, so we have this combination of calamity after calamity, yeah. but also this this faithful love of Candide for his girl. Right. It's, so it's both. It's both. Actually, it's it's like it's like Shrek. <laughs> which is a fair, which is a fairy tale that makes fun of fairy tales, yeah. but still yeah. believes in fairy tales. Yeah. And this is a love story that makes fun of that romantic love, yet still stays true to it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, yeah sure. I mean, it has that plot of the hero's journey, right? Yeah. He, he, yeah. He's pleasantly uh, ensconced in the castle until he 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 gets his. Bosom kicked because he was playing around with the guy's uh, daughter, and then everything goes downhill. Okay, right. So, all right. So, let's just start there. So, Candide is a young nobleman, right, in Westphalia, Mm -hmm. and Voltaire has fun with names. Yes. Every every culture he goes to, he makes fun of the way that they name themselves, Mm -hmm. and And so yes, and most of them are specific historical allusions. Hmm. So every time you read something about it, oh yeah, he's making fun of Leibniz. He's making fun of so and so. Making fun of so and so. Yes, okay. con- there are a lot of co- there's a lot of contemporary references. It's still very readable and very and very fun if you just skim mm-hmm. through it. You can go, you can look at the footnotes and find out exactly. But I just imagine how much more of an experience it would be to have read it in its own time when all of these references are obvious to right. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. even beside yeah. that, so in Thunderton Chunkin. Uh, in making fun of German names. Yes. He, uh, so, there's simple Candide living under the Lord Baron, right, in the powerful lords, in the most beautiful castle, in the most beautiful... I, I have, to, I have to interject a quote from much later in the story right. that <laughs> says, Candide, who had been brought up to never judge anything for himself. <laughs> and it, it's, the whole book is just laid out with sentences like that. Oh, it yeah. is. It is. And he just he just sneaks them in there. So, so, so there's the Baron, and he, but the finest. He's in the finest land and the finest castles, but he's also under the tutelage of the finest philosopher. Now, here, here, uh, here, Crow Hill, right here on on page two. This right. is. This is Pangloss okay. explaining his, his it, philosophy. It is demonstrated, he said, that things cannot be otherwise. For everything being made for an end, everything is necessarily for the best end. Note that noses were na- made to wear spectacles. <laughs> and so we have spectacles. Legs were visibly instituted to be breached, and we have breaches. Stones were formed to be cut and to be made into castles. So my lord has a very handsome castle. The greatest baron in the province should be the best housed. And pigs being made to be eaten, we eat pork all year round. Consequently, those who have asserted that all is well and have said a foolish thing, they should have said that all is for the best. Okay, we'll, after we get through the story, we'll come back and see who he's mocking and <laughs> what, he's, what he's talking about here. But yes. everything sort of rides on this outlook that Candide has absorbed through the fine philosopher Pangloss. Pangloss is his teacher. And and, yes. and Pangloss meaning the tongue that speaks a lot. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, glossolalia is tongues, yeah. Okay. In, this ha- in this fine 
home is the lovely and wonderful Mademoiselle Cunegonde. Right. And he's in love with her, but he is not worthy. He, uh... She gets a lot more action than he does throughout this story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not in a good way, necessarily. But, right. Uh, yeah, so he, in love with her, they're behind what a, a screen of some kind, and he gives her a little kiss. The Baron comes by and sees it, and he's expelled from the castle with great kicks in the behind. Gonagande <laughs> right. swooned. She was slapped in the face by my lady the Baroness, and soon she'd come to herself, and all... And, and, was in consternation the finest, most agreeable of all possible castles. <laughs> so he's kicked out of the castle right. for having made a pass yeah. because he's just unworthy. Yeah. And uh, he came among the Bulgarians. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so they, he, he tries he, to join their he, army. Yeah, so he gets drafted into right. the army. He and apparently gets... he's very good at the skills and the drilling and the shooting. Yeah. Like all of the skills. And then <laughs> until we go to war. <laughs> And then he runs away. <laughs> right. <laughs> how he, yeah, how he escaped from the Bulgarians and what became of him next. Yes. He, he's going through, it's it's like a, it's almost like a Rube Goldberg experiment with somebody's life. You know, just one thing after another, one calamity after another. Right. And so, so here's a little taste of this. Is, I mean, we're only on page seven here when he, I don't know who the Iberians are. Is that some, is that uh, the Bulgarians? It's Bulgarians versus the, the Iberians. Uh, I don't know if that's real or not. Right. So, and as I'm saying, like, well, I don't know why he would have one that's actual people and one that's made up. So I, I'm, I'm not really sure. So, But what he experiences, old men riddled with wounds, watch their wives die with their throats cut, holding their children to their bleeding breasts. They are girls disemboweled after satisfying the natural need of a few heroes, gasping at their last breaths. And others, half burned, screamed to be given the coup de grace. Brains were spattered over the ground besides several, besides severed, Arms and legs, and so he has experiences like this right from the very beginning. But and, it's all for the best, and it's and clings <laughs> yes. entirely. He continues to, to pang, cling to, to Panglossian view of the yes. world. Mm-hmm. He gets separated from. Oh, then he runs it. He runs into Pangloss again. So thinking, he thought Pangloss was dead. He thought Pan, right. He thought Pangloss was dead. Well, that, yeah. I don't know. Did he? Did he? Uh, and he runs back into Pangloss. Did he, him, did he see him die? So anyway, he does see. He's like a beggar in some town. Right? Yes, and he's disgusting. He's like half his nose yeah, ripped he, off. Yes, he, yeah. he, he was, syphilis, right? And, and he just gave him. Yes, and he said, uh, "Who?" It doesn't say syphilis, but yes, it's clearly syphilis. He tra- he traces it back to its source that came from a young cavalryman who got it from a Jesuit who passed it along from one of the companions of Christopher Columbus. Uh, but he says. <laughs> It was indispensable thing in the best of all possible worlds, a necessary ingredient. For if Columbus had not caught in an island in America this disease, which poisons the source of generations, which even pre- prevents generation, and which is obviously opposed to the great purpose of nature, we would not have either chocolate or cochinelle. <laughs> so he's able to see in this Panglossian view through the horrors of syphilis ravaging the entire continent, yeah, but we wouldn't have chocolate, now, would we? <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is the uh, the slight revenge that America had for Europe because mm-hmm. Europe brought all these horrible diseases over to America that wiped out tons of uh, yeah. people in America, but they brought back they syphilis. They brought and, back syphilis. Yeah. Thank you very much. So what happens? He gets on a he gets on a ship. And he's shipwrecked. There's an earthquake. Right. So this earthquake in Lisbon occurred in the lifetime of yes. 
Yeah, the yeah. famous Lisbon earthquake. Of, was an absolute uh, Voltaire. disaster. Right, yeah. And, 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 and so he Lyman's, shows up right? there in time for the, for the earthquake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a charmed life. That's for sure. He seems to be he seems to be going from one disaster right, but to the, another. The, the, and, but what makes the reading so fun is that contrast. Yeah. Of the horrors around him and the delightful sunny <laughs> rose colored outlook mm-hmm. that he right. has on life while the abs you know while the, horror the, is going on horror. around him. Yeah. So he goes to Lisbon, then. How does he get to? Then he gets. To, how does he get to South America? Well, he, he he goes to Lisbon, right? And 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 Pangloss gets hanged, and he <laughs> he gets a second time. He thinks away. Pangloss is dead, right. right? And he had to go. Maybe we no, he, so he meets the, well. He meets the old woman, right? And then finds out after he's already heard that Cunegonde had been di- killed and disemboweled, right? He finds out from her that she has not that she that she yeah, survived, mm-hmm. basically being disemboweled and ravaged by Bulgarian soldiers, <laughs> right? But then, why does he go to South America? I can't remember. I don't know, but he he gets there, and because he has military training, is put in charge of. After he meets Cunegonde again, they go to was it France or Portugal, and then he goes to America because he kills the Grand Inquisitor and the Jew. Yes, that's right. And so, so he's and running so, away. So, so they're, okay, yeah, yeah they're just right. They're, right. They're, they're just running away. They um, and he. He gets into Buenos Aires, and then he has his cacambo, his valet, his... Uh, Who turns out mm-hmm. to be like a, a fairly faithful servant. Yes, yes, a faithful servant. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the king of the Jesuits, and then he runs into Cunegonde's brother. Right. And right. then, like... He's so excited to see him. Yeah, he's like, oh my gosh, he goes, yo, you know, I saved, uh, you know, I found, I saved Cunegonde, and she doesn't have any, you know... If it wasn't for me, she'd be dead. And but she's about to be married off to this other guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I want to marry him. And he's right. like, you are unworthy. She says, what, what is the term 72? Right. Which turns out to be, a, a, which is apparently a joke, degrees of nobility. Trying to compare. Quarter, uh, quarterings. Yes. Which is, is a division of a coat of arms d- indicating degrees of nobility, and 64 was considered the maximum, but she has 72. So, <laughs> you know, so that's making fun of this whole nobility and who, you know, who, who, who's worthy for what. So then the brother says, who's a, who, right, who's a, who's a Jesuit, that he's unworthy, and he kills him. And he's like, geez, I've already killed three people, and two of them are priests. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, then eventually... so, he, so they run off, get yeah. captured by some local natives. Yeah. Who are about to who are about to eat them? And then he goes on some weird uh, trip down a river and goes through some tunnel and ends up in uh, El Dorado. In El Dorado, yes, yeah. the most perfect place. But but they're about to eat them, and then they say, "Hey, wait a minute! He just killed a Jesuit." They, they're thinking, so thinking that thinking that they're that. the Jesuits who are imposing themselves on the local population. Mm-hmm. They go, "Hey, go ask about this." They go find out he did kill a Jesuit, and they're like, "Dude." You're you're a you're a hero. You're, you're yeah. a hero. Mm-hmm. You're free to go. He gets, right, they go down this 
this river, and they end up the place that El Dorado, El Dorado, the the, the place that the, the the mythology of Europe yeah. is that there are places where the streets are lined with gold, and, and this gold, the <clears> gold <throat> is like what the kids play with, yeah, the, they, right? They all really these care. right diamonds, rubies are just laying on the ground, They're just lying on the ground. They just, they just play with them. They don't really care. <laughs> the, 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 it's not it's like the, it's right. There's 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 no crime. There's no disagreement. There's one religion with no squabbling. Uh, ab- abundant, abundant food. Really, it's the perfect place to live. Yes. Yeah, and the pebbles are gems, and you know nobody cares about it. And every, every, people live to 170. Uh, yeah, he stays there for a while, and then he decides he has to leave because he wants to. He wants to still pursue Kunigunde. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And after she's been disemboweled and raped by a legion of. And then she's supposed to be married to some other guy and everything else. Yeah. So then there's this weird thing. Like (laughs) the the whole, all of El Dorado is in some sort of, it's surrounded by mountains. So it's inaccessible. Yeah. And he came in by a complete fluke going through this underground river. That you obviously can't go back up to. Can't go back out. So they had to, in order to get him out, they had to build some huge structure, some, some big machine to lift him up over the mountains and take him out of El Dorado. Along with about fifty red wooled sheep, so the sheep the sheep have red wool, and they were laden with all the provisions and uh, more money than is all in all of Europe. Yeah, right, right. Which but is, now is, they have to get from the outskirts of El Dorado back to Europe with all of these sheep, and all and uh, doesn't go well. and, he tur- and, and well, with Cunegonde, right? Yeah. I mean. She's, to, not, well, she's to, not with them. She's, they're, to trying to find, to, they're trying yeah. to find Kunigande. So Right, he, he has to go find Yeah, He not only has bad luck on all these things, he also has bad judgment with money. He's like, all the places he goes, he's spending well, he's so way trusting. too much. Everybody yeah, yeah. swindles him. Everybody swindles him. He's giving away all this money. He's got tons and tons of money. He loses some of it. He wastes some of it. He, people rob him. It's just like everything. So he meets the African slave on the coast who's missing one leg and one hand because uh, that's... He's, his parents sold him off to these to the great white masters who will take such good care of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I'm not really feeling it. Uh, if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're if you're caught pinching something that's not yours, they chop your hand off. They did. If they run away, they cut your leg off. He says, Well, if that's what it takes for Europe to have sugar, I guess that's how it's going to be. Oh, it's just painful. Like he phrases it like this. Like, Ugh. yeah. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yes, that is true. It's biting. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so, but, but the fact that it's is, is in this upbeat tone makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So he he leaves there. He, he loses. You know, he loses most of the sheep. Right. But still, just just the fact that he has two is still enough money. Even like the gems in his pocket are yeah. incre- right. incredible wealth. So he event- eventually gets gets a ride back to Europe. He's trying to find his way back to where he thinks Kunigande right. is. Right. But but. Uh, his ride back to Europe, he picks up. Well, he he seeks out and picks up Martin, mm-hmm. and Martin becomes a pretty important character. Yes, and Martin is a, another philosopher in his life, who is very much not like Doctor Pangloss, <laughs> right. but he does still feel the need to have Martin around. Yeah, which is interesting. But he he doesn't reject Martin's pessimism. Uh, he argues with it. Yeah, he does. So you you he would think that he, it. I know. <laughs> He, he wants he wants to have him around, and they what? They make it back to um, France, and he meets uh, yeah a bunch of a bunch of various characters who just take his money basically. Yeah, swindle him. Yeah, he's he's very naive, and he gets 
robbed left and right. Yeah, oh, oh, but back to Buenos Aires, he gets there. There's the there's the this is him having fun with the with the language. The the governor, the Spanish governor, yeah. Don Fernando de Barza y Ferragora y Mascarenas y Papudos y Salsa. Yeah, just just those ridiculous long. <laughs> I like I like the captain of the of the, the Dutch captain of the ship. Yeah, von Vander von Vandergindarn. So it's, you know, so just, oh yeah, yeah, there it is, Vanderdenderden. Right. Vanderdenderdender. Yes. Yeah, it's all very playful and silly. I, I'd I'd liked his um, dinner with Lord uh, Pococurante. He was the guy that just hated everything. You know, he's well, like, they oh. went to, but they went to see him because, because they was, thought he was the happy, the guy. happiest guy. Like, all right, look, uh, uh, Candide is still clean to the idea uh, of so how much happy happiness there, there there is. And Martin's like, uh, yeah, show me one person who doesn't think that they're the most miserable wretch on the planet. I got a guy. They <laughs> go see the guy. He has everything, right? He has the greatest paintings, yep. the greatest food, the greatest women. Oh, I don't think they're so good looking. <laughs> oh, so I don't think that painting's great. No, he hates his paintings. <laughs> hates the food. It's all all the authors. So it, while they're making fun of, it's know, sort of like of a Norman Tides that we don't, right? that we, yeah, that, that we don't get. Then he goes to supper in in Paris. He says, "Well, the supper was like most suppers in Paris. First a silence, then a noise of." Undistinguishable words, then jokes, most of them insipid, false news, bad reasoning, a little politics, a lot of slander, and there was some talk about new books. And then actually gets gets into the, the, the jokes that I don't get because you're talking about books that are yeah. popular books of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. That uh, he got separated with the the, the manservant Kakambo, right? Went ahead of him to find. He was supposed Kunigande. to. He was find, supposed to find Kunigande, and they were supposed to meet in uh, Venice. Venice, yeah, right, right. And then so, what goes to Venice, and then finds. Is that where he's with the with the five kings? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. He runs, he runs six the, foreigners, right? Six foreigners, and they're all deposed kings of some sort or another, yeah. and they're all actual. I don't know if they're all contemporaries of the time, or, or you know, like people who all have horrible stories all have horrible stories about how you know they how they lost their crown that they were the deserving that they're supposed they're the ones that are supposed to be the real king but right but i am not. charles edward king of england my father ceded me his rights to the kingdom i fought to maintain them they tore their hearts out 800 of my supporters and dashed them in their faces I was put in prison. I am going to Rome to pay a visit to the king, my father. He is dethroned like my grandfather and me. I have come to spend the carnival yeah, in Venice. Right, right. Every, and everybody's story ends with, I'm here to, to look at the carnival The carnival of Venice. Of Venice. <laughs> it's like, so, oh my, yeah. So is, is this, so is this when they fi- he finds out that she's actually in Constantinople? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So somehow he finds out that she's she's there, and like awful things have happened to her in, in the process. <laughs> yeah. and then, oh, what's great is so, and the old woman is along with him. Yeah, and, and then the old woman gets to tell her story because she she is just like a, a servant. Yeah, and apparently she was the most beautiful woman from the wealthiest. Right, and then her story of being tortured, ravaged. One of her buttocks cut off. Half of her butt cut off. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> to be eaten because they were starving to death. Yes. There. 
Oh, it was awful. Couldn't even read it. Terrible right. story. It's, but lighthearted. It, the whole time right. is lighthearted. It's lighthearted way. You're like still squirming a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awful. So then they eventually have to go down to Constantinople to find Kunigan, and they get there and they uh, what do they end up having like a, a little quarter acre of land to live on or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I mean, at this point, he doesn't want to marry her, but... Uh, she's she's ugly. She's terrible looking. She's terrible looking, and everything horrible has happened. But eventually, they, they buy this little farm. I think he has, like, a tiny little bit of money left that he got from Yeah, Eldorado. so his little... Right, one diamond left, or... So they buy a property, and they start to live the rest of their lives. And at this point, it's what? It's um, it's Candide and Kunigong and the, and the woman and the woman. Martin, Martin and, and Pangloss. And Pangloss. And the Baron shows up. The brother of Kunigande. Yes. Oh, that he yeah. did not actually kill? Yeah, because he survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, every, almost everybody who gets killed turns up alive later right. by some strange coincidence. Yeah. But how about for a t- uh, that little taste of, of what represents Martin's philosophy as oh, the, yeah, okay. an- the anti-Pangloss? Yeah, that's, that's on page 65. Sir, no doubt you will think that all is for the best in the physical world and in the, and in the moral and that nothing could have been otherwise. I, sir, replied the scholar, I think nothing of the sort. I think that everything goes awry with us, that no one knows his rank or his job or what he is doing or what he should do, and that except for supper, which is rather gay and where there seems to be a good deal of agreement, all the rest of the time is spent in senseless quarrels. Jansenists against Molinists, lawyers against churchmen, men of letters against men of letters, courtiers against courtiers, financiers against the people, wives against husbands, relatives against relatives. It's eternal war. <laughs> yeah. Here, do, 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 read this one here. On, on 56, I've hardly seen a town. Yeah, this is how he gets to that he claiming that he is a Manichaean. And like right. Talk, I've hardly seen a town that did not desire the ruin of the neighboring town. Never a family that did not want to exterminate some other family. Everywhere, the weak loathe the powerful before whom they crawl, and the powerful treat them like flocks whose wool and flesh are for sale. A million regimented assassins, ranging from one end of Europe to the other, practice murder and brigandage with discipline to earn their bread, because there is no more honest occupation. And in the towns that seem to enjoy peace, where the arts flourish, men are devoured with more envy, cares, and anxieties than the scourge <laughs> suffers by a town besieged. Secret griefs are even more cruel than public miseries. In a word, I've seen so much and undergone so much that I'm a Manichaean. And what does that mean? So a Manichaean is somebody who believes that the world is evil and that the only the only solace, the only thing is, is in the spiritual world. Uh, right. So yeah. that is... That is uh, the Martin in contrast to who's just basically seeing the world as as it everything's as as it should be as it actually is. And then later on, Martin reminds me of Schopenhauer. Martin concluded that man was born to live in the convulsions of anxiety or the lethargy of boredom, which kind (laughs) of really sums up the the pessimism of Schopenhauer. Yeah. Um, So in the end. They're all sitting around their little plot of land, sort of justifying the whole thing, going, look, if it hadn't been for all of this misfortune, then we would not be here eating candied citrons and pistachios. <laughs> sort of like all the bad stuff, that's still that Panglossian view. That happened and right. then Candide says, that is well said, but we must cultivate our garden. Sort of like, <laughs> I... Uh, Maybe he's, fi- maybe he's finally getting over I'm it. I'm kind of yeah. done with this. And hey, let's just 
dig the garden. Yeah. So <laughs> who is who is Dr. Pangloss and who what shots is um, Voltaire taking? So there was this guy named Leibniz who right. had this response to the age-old problem of evil that the problem of evil is if God is good, yeah. if God if God is all-knowledgeable, all-powerful, and benevolent, yeah. then why is there evil in yes. the world? Right? That's, that's yep. the standard question. Yeah. So uh, Leibniz's answer is, since God is good, this must be the best of all possible worlds. Mm-hmm. So the idea would be something along these lines. If we, we can all admit that sometimes an unfortunate thing can result in a good thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. So, so we can adm- imagine at least that some kind of suffering might be necessary for some other kind of good. Yeah. If okay. this bad thing hadn't happened, then this good thing wouldn't have happened. So ultimately... Right. We, al- we, also, yeah. we also have to recognize that we don't know what things are possible, right? Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't know what worlds are possible. So the Leibniz would say that God looked at all the possible worlds and picked the best one. Like there, there were there were a million worlds that he could have created, mm-hmm. and they had some collection of suffering and misery and joy and pleasure, and God picked the one that was the best of all, right. the, of or, all the possible worlds. Yeah. So when Leibniz says God chose to create the best possible world, he doesn't mean that every single thing is the best, but rather that it is ultimately the best possible world. So from a practical standpoint, uh, God's choice of the best world means. The evil we experience is all part of God's divine plan. Well, yes, that, that's one way to put it. But I think another way to put it would be would be to say, let's say that there's something about like logical possibility, that there has to be a certain amount of suffering to, to bring about other things. Right. So so of all the of all the options, you know, OK, it's kind of like it's kind of like you're going out to dinner and you go to this restaurant and they only have this number of dishes. Right. OK. And, and some of the dishes are just disgusting, and some of the dishes are less disgusting, and you're picking the best dish among the ones that are possible, right? right? That, that are, that's kind of the idea. Yeah. It's like, but also, there's a, there's a free will aspect to it, right? Because if... But does Leibniz even believe in free will? Yeah, so free, the free will answer is a, is a different answer to the problem of evil. Yes. Which is that in order for people to have free will... Then, you, have able, you have to be able to choose evil to choose good. Yeah, but that's yeah. not Leibniz's argu- argument. Leibniz's argument. No, I'm just saying, is, just to address this age-old conundrum of. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. The the free that's free will answer is one of the answers. Another answer is sort of the Calvinist answer, which is we deserve all the crap that happens anyway. <laughs> well, the Calvinists didn't believe in free will, right? Calvinists. Uh, well, not. Uh, it, Jonathan Edwards had a, a version of free will that he believed in, but the and he was a Calvinist. Yeah. So, but generally speaking, Calvinist. Yes. So, like, well, now was was Leibniz a contemporary of? Uh, was this was this German uh, optimism, right? The philosophical optimism. Yeah. Was that in the air hmm. at the time that? Uh, Voltaire, Voltaire was writing. Yeah, I think so because Voltaire is responding to this. Yes. this idea. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I've got to, I've got Leibniz at uh, 1746, 1646 to mm-hmm. 1716. So just a little bit before. Yes. Yeah, so right. So the ideas would have already been circulating. Right. Uh, and apparently he apparently he saw that and said, "Oh, 
<laughs> rubbish. And right. yeah. Also, yeah. as a problem, I, I, I mean, nobody back then was a full blown atheist, but the people had their levels of doubt in the in the Enlightenment. Right. I'm sure, Voltaire well, was right in well, that. So the best of possible worlds argument probably didn't. Well, David Hume was a full blown atheist. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, they were they were around, but the English, I think, tolerated atheists more than. Yeah, I didn't. Know, I didn't think that you, you that you could you know teach at Cambridge at that time and. Oh, Oxford yeah, right? yeah, probably. Pro- I'm sure that certain. It's kind of like in in America, you could be a Catholic. You just couldn't hold office if you were a Catholic. <laughs> so, so I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that there were places in England where sure you can be an atheist. You just you can't teach and you can't do this and you can't do that. So there were limitations. But I I think the the concept of the best of all possible worlds. I listened to an interesting philosophical discussion between two guys about it uh. and. The one guy says, look, can we just take the current world and say, wouldn't it be just a little bit better if this person didn't die, right? Or this uh-huh. this child didn't have cancer, right? Uh-huh. Could, couldn't we take the current world and say, it would be better if that child didn't have cancer? Right. And the, the only real response from the Leibniz perspective would be to say, you really don't know what the consequences would be of that particular child not having cancer. You yeah. don't even know if that's possible in right. the concept of, you know, the way to make a world. It really comes down to the same sort of answer you get in the I book of Job. I could have, could have grown up to be a horrible person affecting negatively Her, a thousand other lives. Yeah, it, it really all comes down to the know. same answer you get in the book of Job, right. which is, who are you to uh, question me? I mean, uh, that's that's really what it. Yeah. A little bit of, you know, mm-hmm. God works in mysterious ways. Kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. A little bit of that, and a little bit of, you know, I don't know how to make worlds. So, <laughs> so how am I supposed yeah. to know which is the best of all possible yeah. worlds? Yeah. But, but but Voltaire is having none of it. He's just saying. He's just saying. What a ridiculous idea that that, that all the horrible suffering that we see and all the things and, that go on. Yes, this is the best. Yes, and he right and and satirizing contemporary Europe or not just Europe, the whole of the, the the world at the time going, have you looked around people? Right. Do you, do you know what you really think this uh, is the best what yeah. horrors are occurring in our midst right now? Let me, let's, let's take a little walk and yeah. I'll show you. Right. Uh, but in a satirical, cheerful, Backward biting. It's, it's the it's the oddest combination of of cheerful, fun, upbeat writing and horrible, terrible things it happening. Is. It's really strange. I, it's, 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 and it seems like that's why it's still so readable. That's why I wanted to do it because it's it's still so readable today. It almost it almost feels like it was written today. Like mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know. Do people have that level of? of... <laughs> You know, of yeah. biting sarcasm. Hmm. Well, apparently, apparently they did. Apparently, they well, did. with a very, very contemporary feel. It yeah. reminded me a lot of Jonathan Swift. Huh? You uh-huh. know, yeah, and yeah. his his modest proposal, which is just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, well Gulliver's we, Travels we, has some similar things in yeah. there that are very, very uh, funny and, and biting. And and the modest proposal, which was the idea, was like, well, there's a lot of people starving out there, but. We also have a lot of, you know, poor people and poor babies out there. How about if we <laughs> yeah. take the poor, 
babies and feed them to the starving people. Yeah. I think that would be a way well, to take yeah, care yeah, of it. Right. So, and, right, with uh, using, I don't know if it was a stab at, you know, logic and reason going, right? I can... But it gets in so much two problems. It gets in so much trouble because people are taking this the essay seriously. (laughs) It's like, oh my god! But yeah, I mean, I so yeah. But this is you know he he's a master at the idea, and and he wrote so much more. I mean, the whole thing is. I mean, this is sort of his his opus magnus. But you know, his his histories are very popular and very important. Its contributions to the encyclopedia, and, and even Foucault in the Order of Things talks about this, uh, the, the the importance of the psych- encyclopedia, the idea of trying to take different places, different areas of information and knowledge, and bring them together in one place, and you know, and synthesize them in in, in a. Um, one thing that I thought was was very interesting was Voltaire was an empiricist. Which means that he, he believed we learned about the world through observation, not through mm-hmm. philosophical speculation. Love John and that's not, yeah. and that's yeah. the big distinction between yeah. Pangloss, who is like everything is about philosophical speculation, like Leibniz, best <laughs> yeah. worlds, and and Voltaire is saying, no, wait a minute, look, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, we can come to the truth by opening your eyes and experiencing things, so <laughs> yeah. which, right? Which is look very around and see the way idea. things oh, yeah. are, right? Yeah. Yeah, not the way things you think they ought to be, yes. but the way things actually are. That's a good point. Yeah, and that, yeah, and that, uh, that comes across big time. Big time, very clearly, yes. Very interesting. All right. So, very good. You know, so, I don't awesome. know what else. I've got 270 more pages on the back so, side of this, uh, of this. I don't know what else is... Uh, I know. It was, I, I, it was interesting. Last question. Read, do you know? Was the trans? Did you read the translation of Donald M. Frame? Oh or no, I hear Daniel M. I hear that's a terrible translation. I went with Daniel M. Frame. So one of these books is wrong. Is wrong. Unless he's got a twin brother with the same job, right? And that they both came up with the same translation. And they both have the same middle initial. All right, I'm going to put that on the printer. I think the printer made a mistake on this. Maybe so. All right, right, gentlemen, good job. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Crowhill here. Thanks so much for listening to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. If you like the show, please tell a friend or share it in whatever way seems appropriate to you. We also have a website, beerandconversation.com. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at pigweedshow at gmail.com. Thanks so much. See you next time.